Well, good morning, everyone. It has been a great day. I'm very grateful uh, to be part of this church family and to be here for mornings like this, where there's just a lot of great things happening. We've gotten to witness a baptism. We've gotten to charge a new youth minister. In a little bit, we're going to dream together and think about the ways that, that the Lord can use the generosity that this church displays all the time. I'm thankful that God is on the move among us. It's an exciting time to be here. The momentum is strong. Uh, so many of you are excited about what the future holds. So I, I'm just along for the ride with you and so excited uh, about, about these times. Another thing I like about mornings like these where we've seen all these different things happen is you've gotten to see almost the whole ministry staff at work in different ways. In fact, I think Except for Jim, who also does incredible things. Just today, you weren't able to see him up front. You've seen almost all the ministry staff here. And it just reminds us that they all do really, really important work. And it's not just the voice of the preacher that matters, but it's all the work that happens during the week. And so it's just an honor for me to serve as, as a colleague to them and to watch all the important ministry that happens uh, at the Preston Road Church. And I want to let you know today as we finish up our James series that we've got a new series starting next week that will take us all the way into Easter. And it's called, Who is This Man? The Identity and Message of Jesus and Why It Matters. And so we're going to anchor in the Gospel of Matthew. But each week we're going to look at a different title, either that Jesus claims or that others claim about him. So Savior, Messiah, Son of God, Risen Lord, those kinds of things. And it's going to be a great time to just be reminded of all the different ways uh, that Jesus is, in fact, Lord of all of us. So if, if you've got a friend who needs to be introduced to Jesus, I hope that you'll bring them, or if nothing else, encourage them to join us online. Uh, we're going to learn about who Jesus is and why that matters for us today. We are going to finish up our James series We've been in so many different areas, so many practical instructions from our friend James, from how to spend our time to how to use our words to how not to show favoritism to other people. And so today we're going to finish by talking about prayer. In fact, the thing that many of you have mentioned that has stuck with you from a previous lesson is when we were talking about praying for virtues and not outcomes. That line has stuck with me too. I'm glad I said it, I guess. I don't know. Some, I don't, I'm not that clever, so I'm thankful when the Lord helps me come up with memorable phrases. But you have said that that has helped you, that instead of asking God to bless the outcome we want, we, we ask God to make us into people that look like Jesus no matter the outcome. But today we're going to look at James's instructions on prayer. I know for many of us when we think prayer we immediately think about intercessory prayer. That's the main kind of prayer that we think about. In fact, the main kind of prayer that we pray. And if you look at the prayer list that almost any church puts out, most of the things on that list are going to be prayers for health. And rightly so. James is going to talk about that. But in the text we'll read today, James is going to remind us that, that, that it's not just for that. In fact, James is going to tell us that for every occasion in life... There is a prayerful response for every occasion. So intercessory prayer for the sick and then some. So join me in James chapter 5 as we finish out this series. James chapter 5 beginning in verse 13. 
Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. I want to first call your attention to some different occasions James mentions. Because again, and I want you to remember this, for every occasion in life, there is a prayerful response. For every occasion. Now James is going to mention three, and we're going to talk about them for a minute. But I don't want you to view these as some sort of exhaustive list. As though James is saying, there are three particular things that might happen, and these are the only three things. I kind of picture James saying, for instance, and then going on to list these things. In other words, to say, let me give you a few examples of the breadth of experiences you might have that call for a prayerful response. The first one, he says, says, if if trouble. So he says, if anyone is in trouble, let them pray. Now, we're not talking about sickness yet. That'll come in another verse. This is trouble. This is any misfortune that's befallen you. This is as broad as you might want it to be. Some of you are in trouble today. Something bad is coming. You're worried about things. There's a relationship gone south. There's some consequences that are on your trail. And you might be in trouble. What does James say? Don't go try to fix it yourself first. I don't know about you, but that's sometimes my response. Okay, what's my action plan to fix this? Now, sometimes I got to do that. But don't forget to pray. If you're in trouble, don't wait till the end. Pray. If you're in trouble, pray. So as broad as you want to make that word, the original word supports it. If you're in trouble, pray. What's the second circumstance? Well, this is if you're happy, right? Is any one of you happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And that word happy really has less to do with just kind of a cheerful spirit. It has more to do with being encouraged, Are you encouraged? Are you feeling bold? Are things good right now? We often think prayer is only for when times are bad. And then when times get great, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just assume, well, I fixed this. (laughs) Times are good. I can just, you know, let it lie now. Or sometimes if we are praying when things are good, it's specific thanks for what God did. And that's appropriate. But what about just when things are good for no particular reason? What about when the world is well-ordered and life is good? Some of you, when you submit your prayer requests, and I read them, you're doing this exact thing. You are praying for thanks because you'll say things like, you know, there's relative peace right now around me or in my household or something like that. Things are just okay, and I'm grateful for that. 
If you're feeling happy, if you're feeling encouraged, don't forget to respond to God in prayer. And don't just save prayer for when things have gone south and you're desperate. If you're happy, if you're encouraged, then pray. And now we get to the sickness. That's what most of us think about, and rightly so. James addresses it. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now let, let's talk about the anointing with oil thing, because I know you're thinking that, right? What, is, what has that got to do with it? Let me just remind you that in James's day, oil kind of had a healing value, a medicinal value. And even, even today, there's some discussion about you know, the healing value of oils. But for sure, in the first century, oil was a healing agent. When the Good Samaritan finds the man who's been beaten up, what does he do? He bandages him up and treats him with oil and wine. There's some, even some sterilization maybe going on there, some, some, some treating of a wound. When Jesus' disciples... Uh, go out and carry out his mission. They are driving out demons and they're healing people and praying over them and anointing them with oil. So oil would not have just been a spiritual thing. It was for them a a way to, to bring healing to people. Now, if you ask most churches about this... Uh, here's what they're going to say. And I, in fact, checked some history at Preston Road. Here's, here's kind of how we think about this practice here. It's not typical. It's not common. People do ask the elders to pray. But there have been times in this church's history and in most churches' histories where some people have made specific requests to the elders to come and anoint them with oil. And that has happened. So it's not common. But it has been done here by request. And, and that's the case in most churches I know. In general, we want to focus on what makes sense to us here, which is calling the elders to pray over you when you're sick. This is, this is like shepherding 101, isn't it? Like this, is the, this is one of the main things that shepherds of God's people do, is to pray over the sick. And I want you to know that your elders do that. Sometimes they're with you and they're praying over you when you're sick. Sometimes it's when we're sitting around before we begin the agenda items of our elder and minister meetings. The first thing that we do is to pray over you and your concerns. And that includes many of you who are suffering with illnesses. So if you're sick, you call the elders to pray. You don't wait till the end and say, well, all we can do now is pray. As though prayer is the thing you do when all the human work hasn't paid off. The first thing you do is pray. And the image here is of someone who's pretty, pretty sick. It's like summoning the elders to pray over you. This isn't just, oh, I'm kind of not feeling great today. This is, I'm really sick. And I want my elders to come and pray for me. And you know that your elders do that, and they will do that. I want you to know that when you're really sick and you're concerned, that your shepherds want to be there and pray for you. So we had people who are in trouble, people who are happy and encouraged, and people who are sick. Now let's talk about what James says is going to happen when we pray, because this also needs a little explanation. He says in verses 15 and 16... The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
Okay, a few things that we want to talk about here. Um, number one, you might be wondering about this link between sin and sickness. I want to say this very clearly. If you're sick, it does not mean that you're a bad person or that God is coming after you or that you deserve what you're suffering. Now, there was a strong link between sin and sickness. You remember what Jesus' disciples say when they see a man born blind? They just assume, who sinned, this guy or his parents? So there was this linkage between sin and sickness But it is not an absolute link. And we certainly don't want to say that sickness is always a result of sin. And the other thing we don't want to be absolute about is this promise that every prayer is going to heal a sick person. Because you might read that and think, well, I prayed and this illness didn't go away. So what's going on here? I want you to remember that James is writing out of the wisdom literature tradition, like Proverbs. And you know Proverbs are general statements. They're not absolute guarantees for all people at all time. How many parents have I known who have grieved over a verse like, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. And they think, what did we do wrong? Or all the Proverbs that link hard work to prosperity. And we know that Proverbs are best prefaced with, generally speaking... (laughs) Because they're not absolute promises that are 100% going to happen for every person in every circumstance. I think that's what James is working out of here too. In general, is it good to pray for people and does that help bring healing from the Lord? Yes. Is this an ironclad promise that if I pray for healing, it's going to happen? I don't know, but that's not how things work in the world, is it? And sometimes we're tempted to say, well, this says the prayer of a righteous person, so maybe... I'm not righteous enough. That gets us real close to Job's friends, doesn't it? Who show up and all this bad stuff has happened to Job. And they think, okay, uh, if good things happen to good people, then if bad things have happened, it must be because you're a bad person. And Job's going, hey, listen, I'm not perfect, but I don't buy that. I want you to know that You don't have to be a perfect person for God to hear your prayers. There's not some level of righteousness by which you can obligate God to bring the healing that you're asking for. And if you have prayed for healing and haven't received it, I don't want you second-guessing yourself and thinking, I'm just not righteous enough for God to hear me. In fact, that is how James is going to end this teaching, by giving us an example of someone. He says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Notice his wording there. Elijah was a human being just like us. He wasn't some super person. He wasn't a member of the royalty. He wasn't the clergy. Do you know that my prayers don't get higher in the queue than yours? Do you know that? I hope you know that. Like there's no hierarchy of who God hears. Your prayers to the Lord are just as powerful as any you know, church leader's prayers. You matter. So just like Elijah, you can pray to God and be heard. Because your prayers are important to God. Don't feel like your prayers 
aren't powerful. In fact, I think sometimes we, we undersell prayer. And we speak of it in ways that I don't think really reflect what we want to say about prayer. And so we'll say things like, oh, I'm sending prayers your way. Of course, I'm always like, shouldn't they be going up? Never mind, you know, just... <laughs> or we'll say, you know, oh, I'll say a little prayer for you. And I, I'm so grateful for those sentiments because they're well-intentioned. But our prayers, <laughs> they shake heaven and earth. They are powerful. Let us speak of them in ways that reflect the power of prayer. In fact, Eugene Peterson, church leader and translator of the message, uh, had this to say uh, when, when he was responding to so many of his church who would come up and say, say a little prayer for me this week. He would say, I will not. <laughs> little prayer indeed. Do you not realize that in prayer we approach the awesome, holy God Prayer is not devotional background patter that soothes tense nerves and covers up the incidental noise of life. The premise of prayer is that we are spoken to by God. What is the normal response of a person spoken to? Is it not to reply? Prayer is the reply. It is answering speech. We don't drag God into our conversation. God invites us into his. For that we're thankful. So I don't know where you find yourself today. You may find yourself in one of those three categories. There are people in this room who are in trouble today. And some of you have a lot of anxiety about that. Take it to God in prayer. Some of you, life is just going well. And I'm asking you not to take that for granted. Sing songs of praise to the Lord. And for some of you, you're sick. In fact, you're sicker than you're telling people. And you're really worried call the elders to pray for you. So I have an assignment for you as your next right steps. I want you to read three different psalms this week. I want you to read Psalm 13, which is a lament psalm. How long, O Lord? This is someone who's in trouble. How long? Are you going to forget me? When are you going to do something about this trouble I'm in? And read Psalm 8, which is just a psalm of praise O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. And read Psalm 31, where the writer there talks about his strength uh, is fading and his bones are growing weary. This is a person who's in physical distress. So I want you to read those three psalms. And then I want you to figure out your occasion in life. And I want you to pray. So that's our summary. I want you to read those three psalms, and I want you to determine your occasion and pray. May we be people who answer the Lord's conversation with us. May we be people of prayer in all occasions of life. Let's stand and sing.